0: For those who are visitors among us, uh, you're very welcome and you come to us as we're halfway through uh, reading through the New Testament in eight weeks and um, we're trying to do that as a congregation. Some of us are trying to keep up, some of us are a little bit behind. Jesus loves us no matter where we are on the journey as I keep telling us. But um, I feel by it all I'm a little bit overstimulated for sermon titles and talks because Jonathan and I kind of agreed, well I agreed and then told Jonathan to agree with me, that we would, um, that we would kind of uh, preach through this as we're reading. And unless you get kind of something in Monday morning or Tuesday morning, then the worship bands are needing something. And, and sometimes you can find yourself just being completely um, overstimulated by so many possibilities of the verses and the chapters that you're rushing across. So I feel like a wee boy with a remote today and uh, in the last few weeks I've been flashing across this and there's all this stuff that's um, running around my head and I want to bring it to something uh, focused and we're going to try and do that for the next few moments. Just to go back over the, the three weeks we've had in it, we looked the first week through Luke's Gospel at the counter agenda that uh, Jesus sets up the idea that repentance is a counter-agenda. It's trying to put the world into reverse. It's trying to uh, get all the injustice of the world and put them right. It's getting all the bad news and putting it right and we're following Jesus into this counter-agenda of how the world is. And then the next week we looked through Acts, the, the Acts of the apostles it's called but more the acts of the holy spirit we concluded where the counter agenda is given by jesus and then he gives the church the holy spirit so that the holy spirit can be led empowered and gifted in order to make this counter agenda a reality and in a little bit more of a uh, creative way last week in our family service where we try not to be over serious We looked at this Jesus again. Who do you say that he is? And when we say that he's the Messiah, that that then affects everything about how we live our lives. Today I want us, through Paul's pastoral prayers, and uh, Janet's already... He nodded to the fact that this is just the first of a few really powerful prayers that Paul has in Ephesians, never mind in the other letters that we've been reading over the course of the last couple of weeks. So I want us just to see if there's stuff there that can help us as we live this counter-agenda led by the Holy Spirit and how Jesus affects the way that we live. The pastoral prayers at the start, certainly, of Paul's letters are sometimes again those little verses that maybe as you've been reading it all together, you've been going, whoa, there's more in there than a thought because it seems like a a little introduction. Let's get into the theology. Paul's just saying a few nice things to the people he's writing to. Now, what's he really trying to say? And I think we generally have that kind of feeling about the letters and the introductions to Paul's letters. But actually, there's an amazing amount of stuff in these seemingly throwaway prayers. Ever read from Colossians. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. What's Paul praying? We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit. We'll come to that in a minute, Jonathan. In every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who qualified you to share in the inheritance of his people in the kingdom of light. There's, there's a dynamic going on there. An energy in Paul's writing that's really quite intoxicating. In 2 Thessalonians. With this in mind we constantly pray for you. What do we pray? That our God may make you worthy of his calling. That by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire of goodness. And your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, and our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians, and this is my prayer. What is this prayer? That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of righteousness. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And then this prayer. My favorite prayer of all of Paul's. In Ephesians chapter 1. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus. I tell you what. um, Can I just read it in the message because um, Janet's already read it. That's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers, I couldn't stop thanking God for you every time I prayed. Sorry, every time I prayed. What did he pray? Every time I prayed, I think of you and give thanks. But I do more than think. I ask, ask the God of our Master Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing Him personally. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do grasp the immensity of his glorious way of life that he has for his followers and oh the utter extravagance of his work in us endless energy boundless strength paul's letters and there seems to me Almost in the words of these letters, these prayers, at the start of these letters or in the middle of these letters, there's something about his prayers that don't only give you words or some kind of understanding of his love for these people, but there's a sense of real uh, growth and um, something powerful going on in his compassion for them and his intensity of love for them and that intensity of love that they should have one for the other the prayers are not ethereal fluffy things uh, eugene peterson i was going to concentrate today before i go over on on this prayer that we read but uh, jonathan and i are going to go into ephesians uh, in the the autumn from september three to christmas we're hoping to do ephesians and we'll come back to this we're going to use eugene peterson's book and i flicked through eugene peterson's book and practicing resurrection and uh, and he said this is not confetti out of the sky This stuff is built on something. Paul doesn't pray that they get all this stuff, just something might happen that they're going to get it. No, no, no. It's all built on something. Did you get that in the reading this morning? Here's what it's built on. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that can be evoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet, appointed him as the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. To refer back to last week, Last week, we tried to express who Jesus was. And if you remember, I said, when you see Colonel Sanders, you think chicken. When you think referees, you think trying to obey the rules of the match. When you think traffic wardens, you don't park in yellow lines. When you see these people, it causes something as a result of what you think of them. And last week we looked at Jesus as Saviour and Jesus as Lord. And we said that if we see Jesus as this, then it affects the way that we live. But I would suggest that from Ephesians chapter 2 and the latter part of this after Paul's prayer here. Not only do we change our lives because of who he is. We change our lives because of what he is. We're called to change them because of who he is. But we have the power to change them because of what he is and where he is. Yes, we've been singing a song out of context actually. I can make a difference. Written by Stephen Fishbacker was not written for church. It's written for the ministry that he does in schools to try and give children who have lost all sense of power within that they can make a difference in their communities to get some sense within themselves that they can make choices. And in some ways, Jonathan and a Freudian led us into, oh, forget what God can do, this is what we can do. No, we can't do it. There's no way we can have this discernment or this knowledge or this depth of insight or this love or this power or this hope just by saying well he's Jesus the only way we can have it is because he sits at the right hand of the father and he rules over everything for the church it's because of what he is and where he is that we get the power to do what we need to do because we identify with who he is now you're not going to believe this but this is where I'm going to I'm going to say a word here and after the children's talk I can't even believe it. I think this is, every Sunday I think, who puts these services together? Because we don't think with the worship band really as we should. I never said to Jonathan, what are you doing on the children's talk? Somebody did say it at the staff meeting, but I didn't even listen to that at the staff meeting. And then you come to this line after what he's done. This is, my, this is what I was waiting for all week to come to say, how can we explain this stuff? This is a greenhouse for growth. When did I ever use that word before? Never is the truth. It came to me as I went to bed last night. I said, "Lord, I need just something that opens up these prayers. What is it?" And he said, "Steve, it's like a greenhouse." I had no idea there'd be soil all around me when I said it. <laughs> but there we are. It seems to me that these prayers of what we must become like, it's about our spiritual growing, our spiritual discerning. What do we do in these situations? What do we? Who do we reach out for? How do we deal with the Northern Ireland problem? How do we deal with those problems in our family? How do we deal with decisions about uh, money? How do we deal with decisions about careers? How do we deal with those problems, the discerning, the, the, the spiritual insight that we need? We need to grow in those things. And our knowledge of who Jesus is and what Jesus would want us to do. And our love for one another and our love for our neighbours. All these things, they need to be things of growth. The seeds have been planted. Well, we're not actually sure that they have. We're going to have to go back to B and and get some. But in Jesus, these seeds have been planted. And they need to be put in some sense of greenhouse. All that we do as a church should be about our spiritual growth as people. And as a congregation. So the pastor's work. The staff's work. The elder's work. And actually, within a Presbyterian tradition, all of our work. Because we belong to one another. What we should be about is making sure that in all that we do in this church. Is helping us to be the greenhouse that allows us to grow in Christ. And I started to think then. I'm not a horticulturalist. I can't even cut the grass at the back. Janice keeps saying. Cut that grass. You have a day off on Monday. Cut that grass. And I keep going. How do you put that on? Why do you do that? And it comes from being oppressed as. A child because my dad wouldn't dare let me touch the grass because it was so perfect in our house, you know, and he was just meticulous. It was better than the greens of the golf club, which was the first time that I was ever allowed to use a lawnmower. Now think about that. Your father wouldn't allow you to use them for the lawn, but on a summer doing green keeping, I was cutting the lawns people were putting on, you know, for prizes on a Saturday. But let's not go back to there for too, too often. I'm not a horticulturist, but here was the things that I thought about this greenhouse of how we can grow. There's three things that seem to me to happen. And those of you who are brilliant will come to me afterwards. The care for creation will come and say, Steve, you left a few things out. But we've got this greenhouse, right? And it seems to me that there's light that needs to come into this greenhouse. It's something that allows the light to come into something warmer from the outside because we don't want to leave it outside in the colder air. So the light is really important for growth. And it seems to me in this that God, that's God's thing. We we can't create the light. Yes, we can flash lights in and we can do it, but we as people cannot do anything about the light. Now what the gardener's actions are actually, are what Jonathan actually showed us here. We need to get the soil in and we need to get the seeds in and we need, that's the stuff that the gardener does. He can do nothing about the light, but he or she has to do something about the soil and the seeds and where the plants are and all of that kind of stuff. Watering, feeding doing whatever needs to be done for those flowers to get to the point where we can have some lovely flowers at the front of our church done by our care for creation group and you can thank them as you go out and uh, see the, the beauty of what they've done the other thing and this is the thing that i want to get to this morning that i think is important for all of us to consider there's an environment that is necessary yeah we need to plant them we need to get them in there and we need to water them and we need to do the, whatever feeding is. And we need to have that light shining in on them because it has to shine in for a long time before the, the, the flowers respond. But there's an environment that the greenhouse is creating. There's a warmth, there's a feel, there's something within this greenhouse that is more than the light shining in from God and the things that the pastor does or the elders do or the events do. And we are trying to create that within our fellowship. There's an environment where you can throw out the word of God and it will be received, and there's an environment where it might not be. There's an environment where you can challenge people to live this counter-agenda, and it will be welcomed, and there's an environment where it might not be. There's an environment where you might be able to keep the Bible as the Bible is and contemporize it. If there's an environment for that to happen, you can do it. But if there's not an environment for that to happen, you can't do it. And all of us create that environment. The way we treat each other as we come in. The warmth of our welcome to one another. The way that we tolerate one another. Those are all the things that are crucial. For us to be able. To put together a fellowship. That will stimulate this growth. God can shine his light in. People can do work around. But unless we have this loving environment, I don't think it might just work the same. Let me take you on a journey through what we've been reading to say, maybe that's what this stuff's about. Don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Romans chapter 12, you read it a couple of weeks ago. That's about environment. That's about us not seeing each other as any more important in a fellowship than anybody else. That changes the environment. Of how we grow, or where we can grow, or whether we will grow. Therefore, if any of Philippians chapter 2, if any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, of any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. This is environment. We're not to be those who do things out of selfish ambition. We're sensing that we want to even just have that sense of unity. In humility, value others above yourselves. It's an echo of that bit in Romans, isn't it? Not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. is getting the environment right. This is getting the fellowship right, so that the prayers of Paul can come and can land on the right soil that will make the light of God and grow. But the fruit of the Spirit, who would have thought? is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We've got to be an environment of people who have those things and share those things with each other to create this place, this sense of something spiritual, where God's light can really make an impact. James uh, James Burnett at uh, Session this last month or not session presently just to prove I go now and again, I'll hope that that's a good way to go isn't it. Um, anyway, um, if I speak in he did first Corinthians 13 and it was very powerful for me and you've heard that so many times and probably when you read it, you've read it so many times. But let's just read again. If I speak in human or angelic tongues but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to the hardship that I, that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. And then what James said was right. There's an image of Jesus here. In 1 Corinthians 13, he gives us pretty much a character's sketch of Jesus. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Those are the conditions. That if we could get those conditions in the greenhouse of Fitzroy. There would be a multitude of growth. A multitude of growth. Because we can come with our theology. And we can come with our good deeds. We could preach a funny sermon. Keep people's attention. Or we could be a good worship band. Or we could give everything we have to embrace this week. Those are not the things that are going to make this environment. They're not the important things. Paul says you can have all those things. But if you don't have this environment of love, then you have nothing. I wear a t shirt. Martin Joseph, I've maybe mentioned it before, made it especially for me. And it says sometimes it's more important to love than always have it right. And every time I wear it, I have a kind of wee theological argument in the back of my mind for the guy that says to me, Steve, really, that's a bit liberal. I've stopped because I've read 1 Corinthians 13. It's not liberal, it's the core of the thing. Steve, you can be right all the time and it's useless if you have not, love. The environment that can allow our eyes to be focused and clear and pick up all these things that Paul longs for us to have and to grow in. Not through ourselves, but because Jesus has been raised and because Jesus sits and because Jesus is ruler for the church so that we can grow. The environment that we bring in to Fitzroy. May the Spirit make this environment such that we will continue to grow as we have been in all these things that Paul prays for. Let's pray again the prayer of St. Patrick. Lord, Christ in us, Christ before us, Christ behind us, Christ in us, Christ beneath us, Christ above us. Christ on our right, Christ on our left. Christ when we lie down, Christ when we sit down, Christ when we arise. Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of us. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of us. Christ in every eye that sees us. And Christ in every ear that hears us. Lord may Christ be so central to all that we do. That the environment within this fellowship would be such. That when your light shines. And we garden. With the water and the food that comes and services and Bible studies and prayer meetings and all kinds of other places that the environment would be right and that we would grow in wisdom depth of insight knowledge of Christ love in good deeds that the fruit of the spirit would be real that we would see the power that is there to fill us that our eyes would be focused on the incredible energy of the spirit that moves among us Lord, create an environment among us that we will grow. In Christ's name, amen.